Gracious God, we do not live by bread alone, but by every word that comes from your mouth. Make us hungry for this heavenly food that it may nourish us today in ways of eternal life. Through Jesus Christ, the bread of heaven. Amen. This morning I have two readings, one from Deuteronomy. The, um, um, uh, it's the uh, story of the death of Moses. And, then, and also then from the uh, Gospel according to Matthew, Matthew 22. And uh, that's where I will, um, that's the passage that I'll work from for a message this morning. So this morning we begin with Deuteronomy. In the Old Testament, Deuteronomy 34. And the introduction is Moses got to see a part of God. Remember last week I told you about this. Moses got to see a part of God, although not the part of God he wanted to see. He saw God's backside. When Moses died, however, he was, rem- he, he was remembered, ironically, as someone who God knew face to face. With that, the death of Moses. Then Moses went up from the plains of Moab to Mount Nebo, to the top of Pisgah, which is opposite Jericho. And the Lord showed him all the land, Gilead as far as Dan, all Naphtali, the land of Ephraim and Manasseh, all the land of Judah as far as the western sea, the Negev and the plain, that is the valley of Jericho, the city of palm trees, as far as Zoar. And the Lord said to him, This is the land of which I swore to Abraham, to Isaac, and to Jacob. I will give it to your offspring. I have let you see it with your eyes, but you shall not go over there. So Moses, the servant of the Lord, died there in the land of Moab, according to the word of the Lord. And he buried him in the land of Moab, opposite Beth Peor. But no one knows the place of his burial to this day. Moses was 120 years old when he died. His eyes were undimmed and his vigor unabated. And and the people of Israel wept for Moses in the plains of Moab 30 days. And the days of weeping and mourning of Moses were ended. And Joshua the son of Nun was full of the spirit of wisdom, for Moses had laid his hands on him. So the people of Israel obeyed him and did as the Lord had commanded Moses. And there was not arisen a prophet since in Israel like Moses, whom the Lord knew face to face. None like him for all the signs and the wonders of the Lord sent him to do in the land of Egypt, to Pharaoh, to all his servants, and to all in his, all his land. And for all the mighty power and all the great deeds of terror that Moses did in the sight of all Israel. We now move to the Gospel according to Matthew. Matthew 22. Jesus is tested by the Pharisees who ask his opinion regarding the greatest commandment. In the end, Jesus turns the tables on the questioners and they are, they are the ones put to test. Matthew 22:34. But when the Pharisees heard that he had silenced the Sadducees, they gathered together. And one of them, a lawyer, asked him a question to test him. Teacher, which is the greatest commandment in the law? And Jesus said to him, You shall love the Lord your God with all your heart and with all your soul and with all your mind. This is the great and first commandment, also known to the Jews as the Shema. And the second is like it. You shall love your neighbor as yourself. On these two commandments depend all the law and the prophets. 
Now while the Pharisees were gathered together, Jesus asked them a question, saying, What do you think about the Christ? Whose son is he? They said to him, The son of David. He said to them, How is it that David in the Spirit calls him Lord, saying, The Lord said to my Lord, Sit at my right hand until I put your enemies under your feet. If then David calls him Lord, how is he his son? And no one was able to answer him a word, nor from that day did anyone dare to ask him any more questions. This is the word of the Lord. Thanks be to God. My sermon this morning is titled Must Must Be More Must Be More and it's about that one question whose son is he? Jesus asked his Pharisees whose son is he? and it is um, Jesus was asked a lot of questions but he likes to turn it around back on his questioner. But it, the, the, and the motivation of all their questions was, was varied. And, you know, in, as in they ask, in the resurrection, whose wife will she be? You know, Jesus told them that you're beginning in the wrong spot. Your premise is all wrong. There is no marriage in heaven. And you're focusing on the dead. We worship the God of the living. So he's putting it back in their face with their own words. And perhaps the, the, you know, the Pharisees stopped asking questions. But the questions have not stopped. We ask a lot of questions. When we, when we consider Jesus and Jesus Christ, we ask a lot of questions. And our, our motivation is varied. Doubt. Faith. Confusion. We're probing. We're inquiring. There's indecision. We're interrogating. We're confused. We're uncertain. Yeah. There is a theological debate going on in the church back then with the Pharisees and the Sadducees, even today, with we Christians. And what's the theological debate? Whose son is he? Because at the same time they were singing, Praise God from whom all blessings flow. The culture, like right there on that road, is singing something to the order of, Praise the celebrities and the powerful and the rich from whom everything the rest of us are partaking of flows. We say praise God. And they say, they say, praise the celebrities and the powerful and the rich from whom everything that we want flows. It's the theological debate over and over and over again. And we're asking the question, whose son is he? Is he really divine? Or is he really just a human? Just Just a prophet? just the person who had some good words to say and was wise. Or was he the Son of God? Or was he both? 
our questions re- remind me of how much we're like. There's this great illustration of the hitchhiker, okay? And the hitchhiker was he had a conundrum because as he stood on the same on the, on the side of the road, one thumb points one direction and the other thumb points the other direction. He just wants to go somewhere, but he can't decide which where which direction he falls. And that's us. That's who we are. We're like the hitchhiker. Some of us are farther along than others. Some of us have made those decisions, but generally as a congregation, generally as a Christian church, we're still asking those questions. But you know, questions are a good thing. A wise writer of the 20th century, Frederick Beekner. Frederick Beekner. If you ever get a chance to read some good, soothing books. He wrote this. Doubts or questions are the ants in the pants of faith. They keep it awake and moving. So, doubts or questions are the ants in the pants of faith. They keep it awake and moving. And you think about that. I think about all the times, you know, in class, you know, you ever notice, and one day we'll be back in classrooms for good, but um, in the classroom, remember there was always, there was always that one person that, or a couple of people that always have questions to ask. And, and I, I had some wonderful teachers and professors throughout my education, and, and they would field the questions. Because, you know, the person that's asking the questions on the topic is engaged. They might not understand but they're engaged. They're, they're with the teacher. They're with the professor. It's the ones that are sitting there daydreaming. It's the ones that are sitting there quiet that may, I do know there are people who can listen like that, but they, they, they may not even be in the classroom in their head. But I love it about this thought that if, you're at, if you doubt and you're praying to God and you're asking God and you're challenging God God's got your attention. That's a, that's a powerful place to be. God's got your attention. If you're asking questions, it's kind of like if you're talking to God, that's, all, that's, 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 that's where, exactly where He wants you. Because then you just may be receptive to what God's going to do. In our Bible study on Thursday night, we, got a, we have a wonderful group of people and we hold it on Zoom at 7 o'clock just in case some of you want to be in it. But um, one, of the, one of the students uh, gave us this great perspective. We were, we were talking about um, life and how you go through life. And one of them said that, that he had had this, this almost like an epiphany last week where he said, you know, I decided that I need to wake up in the morning and start looking for God's grace as opposed to looking for, you know, what may be a problem, what may be, um, what may be in my way. But start out the day looking for God's grace. And it's like, yeah. And the whole class was like, wow. We like that. And you know, I think that's the same thing is, is that we can, get, we can get so hung up on 
you know, the doubt side, that sometimes it's nice to just go and say, okay, let me see what God's doing in my life. It might be amazing what you see. But if you're, and the question that I had this morning that, and that I focused on was, and I didn't share it with you yet, but are you still asking questions? Are you still asking questions? And I hope so. I hope so, because we are in different levels, like the hitchhiker. Sometimes we doubt, sometimes we believe. Doubts are the ants in the pants of faith. They keep it awake and moving. Thank you, Frederick. Let us pray. Lord, we can be filled with doubt. Lord, we can we can rise up on our faith. Doubt is not unbelief, but it's not faith either. It wavers between faith and unbelief, unable to make up its mind what it wants to be. And from our doubt, we question. Lord, celebrate our questions. Be glad that we're curious. Be glad that we we even wonder about You. Be glad that we look for Your grace in our day, every day. Lord, thank You for sustaining this Word. Lord, thank You for loving us in the midst of our doubts. Strengthen our faith by Your Holy Spirit. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen.